The military services know they're facing challenges when it comes to hiring, training, and keeping enough skilled personnel at their major maintenance depots. And while each of them has taken major steps to tackle the problem over the last several years, what's missing is a long-term strategy. That's one of the findings of a new deep dive by the Government Accountability Office. Diana Maurer is Defense Capabilities and Management Director at GAO, and she joins us now to talk about it. I want to ask just a couple questions about fill rates before we move on to the the meat of the report and and your recommendations. I mean, just based on the FY17 numbers you have in the report, it looks like, at least numerically, the services have done a pretty good job of filling open positions and getting up to their authorized levels. Is that basically fair? That's basically fair, right? We looked at um, we looked across all the different services and found that generally um, all the services were above eighty percent. And uh, so the good news there is that they're able to get people to fill positions that they need for uh, these skilled trades. So the next question I think is, are the authorization levels right? I mean, do, do we know whether the headcounts they're planning for and, and requesting in their budgets and getting authorized by Congress are? analytically sound and and tied to the actual workload that they expect to need to do in a given year? That's a really good question. Um, That wasn't part of the the current review that we issued our report about, so can't really comment on that. Yeah, fair enough. We can take it for granted that that's that's what the law is, so we need to abide by it. But anyway, across the board, especially in the case of the Navy, I think the fact that there has been a lot of hiring over the past few years means the positions are filled, but a lot of those people are still learning their trades and getting up to the level of competency the services need. So give us a little bit of a sense of, of how serious the services believe those high-end skill gaps really are. Well, I think the services were absolutely concerned about, about some of these skill gaps. And you, you hit the nail right on the head that um, the good news is we have people in those positions, but they don't necessarily have the skill levels that are necessary. Um, and you're right. The Navy, in particular, has been hiring a number of people in some of these places. In fact, at one of the depots, 41% of the people in critical skills had been there less than two years. Um, and that's important because a lot of these skilled trades take years for people to become proficient. We're talking about nuclear engineers and computer engineers and even things that sounds pretty straightforward, like trades like welding and painting when you're applying those skills in a military environment, you need a great deal of training because you're talking about either highly precision work or work that's being done with very um, exotic or advanced materials. And it seems like one of the issues here with regard to retention is that, you know, it, it, it it's not a matter of, okay, we just need a few years to get everybody up to speed and then we'll be good because those high-end folks are exactly the kind of people who are prime candidates to be, you know, to be hired away by private shipyards, for instance, or, or other private sector organizations who do the exact same kind of work for DOD on a contract basis. So it seems like there's probably going to be a fair amount of churn here in that that high-end workforce, right? No, you're absolutely right. And so um, that means that uh, the Defense Department needs to be able to hire and train and retain a skilled workforce on an ongoing basis. This is not something that they can just necessarily throw a lot of resources at and, and solve in a year or two and then the problem goes away. Because you're right, there is there's tremendous competition from the private sector for a lot of these skilled trades. I mean right now the unemployment rate is is so low that means there are a lot of um a lot of jobs out there, particularly with people who know how to do some of these highly skilled trades. And so yeah, DOD is competing uh for that skilled workforce. 
On the hiring piece of this, I mean, I don't think it's a secret to anyone listening to this that the federal hiring process takes a long time. But I think we usually think of that in the context of of white collar jobs. And and these, if, if I'm not mistaken, most of these are blue collar wage positions and they're still taking six months or more to fill a given slot. That's absolutely right. We found that was the case in a number of different locations. And some depots were taking as long as six to even 10 months to be able to hire and process in new people. And um, that's a real problem because if you're trying to fill some of these skilled positions, you can't be waiting that long. You also lose or could potentially lose some interested applicants. You know, they may not be willing to wait nine months before they get a job working for the Defense Department. So, Diana, talk a little bit about the consequences that the military services are seeing. As, as we said before, they are up to, again, numerically up to their workforce levels, but the fact that there are not enough of these skilled maintenance personnel to go around really in any of the services, what are, what are some of the consequences of, of, of that? Well, initially the consequences um, are that uh, not having skilled workforce means that there's, there's delays in repairing helicopters and planes and ships and submarines and so forth. So, for example, uh, the Navy suffered delays of as of, much, of a, up to as much as 20 months in getting some of its submarines maintained due to lack of, in part, due to lack of a skilled workforce. But more fundamentally, you know, these are systems that have to work very well under, extre- under extreme conditions. And when they don't, um, it can lead to accidents and, unfortunately, even deaths. Uh, Last year, there was an Air Force plane that crashed because there was corrosion in the propeller of the plane, something that should have been caught in a sort of a a normal maintenance check years before and had not been caught, and the propeller essentially came off the plane and the plane crashed and people died. Uh, So that really underscores the importance of making sure that maintenance, maintenance is done correctly and it's being done by people with the appropriate skills. So let's tie a bit of this together and talk about the state of strategic planning in this area. You point out a couple problems there, both in the services and I think at the OSD level. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, strategic planning is, is very important in this area because when you consider the, just the, the sheer scope of what we're talking about, you know, the different depots that are out there across the U.S. employ uh, over 80,000 civilians uh, to perform maintenance on a wide variety of DOD's weapon systems. And 80,000 people, that's, that's the size of the coal industry in this country, for example. So it's really important for DOD to have an enterprise-wide view of what can be done to, to, uh, to recruit and to hire and retain a skilled workforce. What we found was that um, that wasn't happening in a strategic way. Um, there were a lot of activities at the individual depots, but the, the services and DOD did not have a clear strategy to guide the overall efforts. Um, There were some strategic documents that existed at the different services, but those were outdated or not being used. And so there was a real need for someone up above to take a look at what was being done down at the grassroots to make sure it was being effective and well-coordinated and helping DOD meet its most critical needs. Do the services have any plans to start gathering better data from the individual depot level so they can do some more of that analysis? Because it sounds like they have a lot of autonomy at the moment. There is a lot of autonomy. And in our report, that's one of the things that we uh, that we recommended, that the services take a look at what's being done at the individual depots, uh, use that information to inform the development of their plans, and also make sure that um, 
they're figuring out what's working and what isn't working, right? Um, if you are spending a lot of time on recruiting when, in fact, you should be spending your resources on training, then it's good to know that. And you need to have uh, strategies and plans and measures in place to know uh, what's working and what's not working. You'd mentioned this briefly in the report, but what what's the exact role here for the Office of the Secretary of Defense and the folks in the, the personnel and, and readiness shop? It doesn't sound like there's a big strategic view of this problem from that perspective either at this point. Um, the, there really isn't at that level. I mean, to, to a large extent, you know, our recommendations were directed uh, specifically to um, to the force services. At the OSD level, we think this is something that they that they should be monitoring. And I, I know that, that is, it is an area that there's a, a great deal of interest and attention on at, at the Pentagon. But by and large, this is viewed as, as, a, as a service level issue. That's Diana Maurer, Director of Defense Capabilities and Management at the Government Accountability Office. You can find this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.